I'm just thinking one of my daughters has uh, 3,300 something something friends on Facebook. How can I make them like me? <laughs> I, are they your audience? Probably not. So not that's exactly what's the yeah. point. So yeah. don't get numbers for nothing. And that, that's another pitfall to avoid. I'd prefer you to have 300 actually engaged real people who are relevant to your business than have 3,000 randos. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts, Nadia Hughes and Terrence Toe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. I'm Terrence Toe. I'm the founder and managing director of Strategic Corporation. And welcome to my co-host here, Nadia. Good morning, everybody, and it's Nadia Hughes from Smart Business Solutions, and I'm happy to be here. Great, and today we have special guest Kate Fennessy from Paper Boat Digital back again, and today we're going to talk a little bit about launching social for startups, and I guess some of this will also apply to starting up your social if you're already an established business. So let's get into it. What do you have to share with us today, Kate? Good morning. Yeah, so we were going to talk about launching social from scratch, which would either happen if you, for some reason, didn't have any social still in 2018, which I do find a bit shocking, but I'm, I understand that that could be the case. Or if you're a startup, which is probably quite common these days, because I think startups are um, popular and there's a lot of people doing, you know, launching a new idea or business or product or service. So that's what we're kind of going to talk about. So I guess What I wanted to sort of, the way I wanted to set it up is that there are a lot of advantages actually and, of course, challenges to starting from scratch. So I might just talk about some of the advantages because it is 2018. I guess one advantage you've got if you're absolutely starting from scratch is you've got the whole lay of the land in front of you to assess. So if you're going into a certain market where there's existing competitors, the first thing you can do is have a good sniff around and a good review and analyse your competition. You can see exactly what they're doing, what their positioning is, and this is what I do with pretty much all my clients anyway, is I have a bit of a landscape review because it's really helpful to know who's doing what, what platforms are they on, what content strategy are they using, is it video, is it advertising really heavily, are they going strong with, you know, SEO, SEM, or are they all over Instagram but not on Facebook. So you can have a real advantage by being able to understand the landscape and then figuring out an opportunity where you can fit in and slot in and and take ownership of a particular position. So back in the days when I was in advertising, we would do that quite formally, that process. We'd literally get out an X and Y graph and really plot all the competitors where they fitted according to certain things. You know, it might be price or it might be perception, whatever value you want to assess, you you can really go deep into that if you want because it's all there for you to look at. But at a very basic level, I would do something like write down, you know, five or six competitors that are relevant and just have a little snapshot check of what social platforms they're on, what they're doing. So you might just look at writing down they've got a 1,000 followers on Facebook and 10 on Instagram and they have a YouTube channel with 100 subscribers and just make a quick note of what are they doing? Just sum it up because then it gives you a chance to see opportunities. 
and positioning. So does that sort of make sense? Absolutely. So far? You just speak my lingo. You basically need to become your own intelligence and yeah. infiltrate into the your enemy's line and have a look what the gaps are there. Of course. And fill those gaps. Yep. Look for a gap. It doesn't mean you can't do anything they're doing, but it just means that you have the opportunity to be a bit smarter and, and step into the arena in a way that's going to be a bit better for you in, in the long run. So I think that kind of thing is important anyway. And then that way your platform selection can be a so bit... basically what you get into there, mm. have a look what your competitors are doing yep. and pay attention to what they are not doing. Correct. So, and yep. do whatever they do better and start doing what they're not doing yeah, in or a you, simple language. You might sidestep something they're doing really well and try something else. Or often you'll find if you do a review like that, you might find one platform's being neglected by your sector or your, by your competitors, often it'll be Instagram, depending on what area you're looking into. So often when I do these reviews for clients, you find that Instagram, that the competitors either aren't there or they're not there in a big way, which means that could be a big focus for you. And if I ask you to recap, each platform is particularly well working for, for a certain type of technique. If we just very, can we quickly brush it up on yep. the basics of each platform and what it's Works really, well for. Yes. Sure. All right. So starting with Facebook, which is the most commonly used platform for Australian social media users still by a long shot. Facebook's good because it's very flexible. It's a flexible platform with lots of features. So Facebook works really well because you can have video on it. You can have live video on it. You can have links to external websites on it. You can do lots of cool stuff with e-commerce now to do with Facebook ads and you can have a pixel on your website and do really clever e-commerce strategies. So Facebook's kind of a catch-all for most businesses and brands because it's where your customers are. Even if you're in B2B, your target audience is still likely to be on Facebook because I think it's 94% of Australian social media users are on Facebook and that's 8 out of 10 Aussies. So of the 8 out of 10 Aussies on social, 94% of them are on Facebook. Yeah, is I guess, and you've got events. You can use so many elements of that platform that it would almost be a no-brainer for most people to use it. When we start going on to more niche platforms, so Instagram, I would say, depending on your business and what imagery you have access to, Instagram is like the hot platform to be on. That's where that's had the fastest growth trajectory of any platform in terms of its popularity is rising like really fast. And if you want to future proof your brand and have younger people understand mm-hmm. who you are and connect with, Instagram's a really good platform and because Facebook owns Instagram and they're increasingly integrated, particularly at the back end, I think that those two together can be a really powerful duo. And within Instagram, I think stories are sort of the hot property within that platform as well. How do the stories work? I actually really, really clumsy around this story, trying really just for my personal Sure. Just process simply my personal yep. profile to try it before I will start doing anything for the business. So Instagram was probably quite aware of Snapchat's very fast rise in popularity when they developed stories. It essentially knocked Snapchat off that trajectory pretty quickly. So I think it was within a year more people were watching stories than the whole of Snapchat's user base. So it did work. Basically, when you're on Instagram and you've got your feed, you know, you're scrolling through your feed, up the top now are little circles of people Mm -hmm. who've made a story. So a story 
Is it simply a good way to get noticed above, literally because it sits above the feed? Basically, a story similar to the sort of Snapchat concept is a video or photo message you can create single ones and they'll be sort of put together. So just say you take five photos over the course of the day, it'll be shown they'll flip from one photo to the next and then end almost like a video and they they disappear after 24 hours. So they're meant to be snapshots. They're great for showing something more rough and ready than what you'd be prepared to put on your actual feed. So if you've got an event on, that's a great time to do a story or some people use stories and talk direct to camera and they use them like they would a YouTube channel. So you can see all sorts of stuff in stories. Video is pretty common, but for photography, a mix of photo and video is what you see, but it just puts you ahead of the pack because it's still not that commonly used by businesses and the people who are really good at them tend to be building their audiences more quickly. It doesn't trump the algorithm so much as it's just another access point for people to find you. It tends to be like where I go to to just see what's fresh today. It's a, it's a real sense of in the now which people like okay. yeah so for someone starting out whether they're starting up a business or just starting up in you know with their social media yep. stuff is there a simple way for them to choose which platform to start with do they need to go and start with all platforms or are they better off to start with one platform choose one and how do they choose it yep so just to finish quickly so the other main platforms twitter obviously still pretty popular in australia but it's pretty niche twitter fits particularly things like journalists news if you're a commentator of things that's what twitter is great for watching tv shows making a little quip twitter tends to be for the verbal amongst us so it fits all those kind of literary sectors better and then pinterest is all about image it's almost the opposite so pinterest is you think of an average person trying to collect photos for their home renovation that's what pinterest is great for it's visual it's absolutely visual it's like a visual search engine that's what pinterest is snapchat is definitely sort of sits with younger people and i don't think so far brands have had a huge amount of success trying to infiltrate that platform i think young people are pretty savvy with brands and they're not that interested LinkedIn, I'll just mention, LinkedIn was actually the first social media platform. I did some research in my book and realized that it launched before Facebook, which is sort of funny. But LinkedIn is great. It's just LinkedIn is like Facebook for business only. It's like Facebook, no offense, but a bit more boring. There's a lot more content. There's a lot more room on LinkedIn, though. And one thing to keep in mind for LinkedIn is it's much less competitive to get your content aired. So LinkedIn is also can be a really smart choice. YouTube I wouldn't sort of consider social media, but YouTube is obviously home for videos and it's a video search engine as well. So look, to answer your question, Terence, I would say definitely do not try and cover all your bases. I think a lot of businesses make this mistake and I see this all the time where they try and cover every single one. There is no point being on Twitter if you don't use Twitter the way it's designed to be used, which is that you're active, you're commentating, you're responding and having conversation if you're not going to have conversation if you don't love that platform don't go on it because it's just a waste of time you just end up sounding like a, a robot i'm a, not a fan and it's came up last time i'm not a fan of automation in the sense of late that automation that inspires laziness so i would never suggest you just go i'm going to auto tweet from my other content no don't bother just don't be there either be there and be present or don't be there so for me, platform choice would often come down to probably a combination of Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for most businesses. Twitter, if it's really relevant, if you're in news, media, journalism, 
TV, yes, definitely Twitter. Pinterest, if you're in homewares, beauty, lifestyle, stuff where you've got lots of beautiful images, yes, go for Pinterest. But for most people, Facebook and Instagram is probably what you'll end up selecting. Yeah. And you just mentioned it's also age-driven and future-proof yeah. your business. So if I want to future-proof, I would go for Instagram and probably Snapchat wouldn't be a really good platform for me at all, apart from if I do want to create a group and have a constant audience. If your target market is Gen, what, what's under millennial? They call it Gen Z now, I think, don't they? Or the Notice. digital. <laughs> the, yeah, the sort of really young kids today. Then, yes, you would look at Snapchat. It's just I don't know what strategy you'd use. You'd have to sort of have a think about that other than just sharing, you know, content. It depends. But I think Instagram's a bit more easier for businesses to get their heads around It's not just young people. And we are talking here in Australian context. Yeah. Because if I go overseas, it mm-hmm. would change. Yes. The, the, the way I will be using media would, would right. change. So if you have international clients mm-hmm. and you're aiming for wider view, you probably this strategy won't be applicable. It's probably quite similar. Like I know, for example, in the US, Pinterest is huge. So you might flip Pinterest or you might pop Pinterest higher up your list. So if you are looking at other territories, yeah, do a little bit of research, find out what the popular platforms are and which demographic because all that data is out there. In Australia, we have a report called the so- the Census Social Media Report that they've done for about five or six years and that will tell you exactly who's on what platform, gender, by state, by age. So you can really find that information pretty easily and the same for, you know, internationally. So, yeah, for me, less is more with platforms and in most cases Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are probably going to be in the mix, Twitter or Pinterest, if it's relevant to your audience. So it's really thinking about audience, not thinking about what you like necessarily. Yeah. And probably understanding the platform, the purpose of the platform, who's on it, Mm -hmm. and then, then of course, understanding how to actually use it. Yeah, and that's right. And bringing it back to the ability to look at your competition is where that you can really refine that choice because you might look at your competition and say well they're really big on you know they have a Facebook group I'm going to really focus on Instagram that decision might help you to select your key platform and if I just ask to name a few most misuses you have seen across the platform what yes. would you identify what have you seen on facebook not to do what you have seen on uh, instagram not to do yeah. and what have you seen on some other good question nadia i think we mentioned this last time yes, what have. i see on facebook is people using too many hashtags they've pushed content from instagram with 20 hashtags you don't need it on facebook it looks silly So don't do it. It's that laziness automation issue that I have. Same thing if I see absolute auto tweets. You know, sometimes I've seen a client's account, I look at their content, not one retweet, not one comment, nothing. Why do it? It just drives me nuts because it's like don't, if you're not getting any response, leave. It's like going to a party and you're just standing in the corner talking to the wall. Just go. You're not, you don't look good. (laughs) Just don't be there. So it's most of my pet gripes come from automation, you know, people thinking, oh, I'm going to save time by automating this process, but really you're just coming across robotically. LinkedIn, what do I see on LinkedIn? People on LinkedIn don't put a lot of effort into how things look. So, you know, maybe, 
And this can be true for Facebook too, you know, making sure that the image that's pulled through on a link for a thumbnail is good and making sure that the post looks pretty. Like on LinkedIn, you have a chance to stand out. Don't use really tired stock imagery on LinkedIn because everyone else is, you know, be a bit more aware of how your post looks. The main thing with Instagram that people still do is they post ugly photos to Instagram. Don't post a blurry, boring photo on Instagram. No one cares. I have a real pet gripe with the, no offence to anyone out there who does this, but the eyebrow eyelash industry often does these horrid close-ups of women's freshly waxed eyebrows. I don't want to see red, raw skin eyebrow on my Instagram. Yuck. Put it on a story. That's fine for a story. It's Show probably it. more appropriate for medical stories. Well, it's just ugly. Food. Like Instagram is the last place on earth where everything can be beautiful. Just leave it to be beautiful. Don't put ugly, weird things on there. Well, there is some beauty in <laughs> ugliness and some <laughs> French ancient French sort of, well, they're not ancient, but the poet will argue with you. I know, but I just mean like your feed what you actually put on your instagram is like a coffee table book it should be your best moments put all the really other stuff on stories keep it to be really it just should be aesthetically pleasing because that's what it's for so i still often see businesses put photos that i think that is not instagram worthy do not put that there put it somewhere else sorry if i sounded a bit passionate there but i just to me that's not using the platform correctly So where do you see the biggest opportunities for someone just stepping into, you know, in, into these platforms? Where are the biggest opportunities right now? Instagram probably, I think, and Facebook ads. I have to admit I still find it quite shocking that people don't take advantage of Facebook ads. When I went to the social media conference in San Diego last year, they said only 7% of businesses are using Facebook ads. I don't know if that was a global figure or an American figure, but just By looking at the businesses in this area, I'm quite tuned into the Mornington Peninsula area. Not a lot of them use ads. I think ads are so effective, so relatively inexpensive. And because of the way that you can now work Instagram with Facebook, they can be so effective. So, yeah, Instagram and ads. And then I'd also add video to that list as another opportunity. Mm. So I think a lot of people are shy with video or not confident or not willing to have a go. Not everyone has that digital mindset of just having a go. Mm. So they're probably, I'd identify the three key opportunities, video, Instagram itself, including stories and ads on Facebook. So if I were selfish right now and I am selfish mm -hmm. and asked you, well, there is a perfect startup example of the unfair advantage you right now part of and you mm -hmm. are creative director sure. as well. <laughs> so would there uh, forever in a day it I hope it's forever in a day will stack this um, creative director <laughs> title for you. What would you recommend for us straight away? We haven't, we are just about to launch. We're jumping into mm -hmm. the ocean of this sure. social media. I am petrified. Okay. I will, would you hold my hand and just take me gently mm -hmm. through? What would you be? Well, the first, don't be petrified. So, and that that's a common, actually, Nadia. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people approaching social, particularly those in the camp who they don't have social, even though they're an existing business, they are scared. You know, it's very comfortable to live under the rock. Yeah, and I, look, a lot and, of... And now I feel very expo <laughs> exposed, like a clamp without a shell. And now here you are, you're venting out there. And it's yeah. my complete out of my comfort zone yeah. at the moment because I, I spent so long not being known and living very, very sheltered life. I think that's a really, really valid point. And I find a lot of my clients 
who are in their 40s and 50s. Thank um, you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> have the same feelings, although they don't express it as honestly as you just have. They are fearful. I've had that from years ago. Pedders was a client of mine. They were not on social at all. This is well, in advertising. And also the fact that I can't spell to save myself really, really puts a lot of pressure on me. And people will recognize me by my, I will substitute like launch with launch and things. <laughs> I, I, I mix words as well because they all sound similar to me. A lot of people, even with English as their native language, are not great spellers or not great at grammar. Writing's not their forte. So, yeah, it is well, exposing. Well, their first language must be bogan, so it's fine. Possibly. Look, what I would say is acknowledge that fear but try and start to turn that around. If, if that's the first thing you do, I think that's well worth it because you've got to remember social is just the digital grapevine. Yeah. Humans have always talked to each other about brands and businesses. We've always had word of mouth that is never going to change. We've always had recommendation. We've always had chit-chat about brands. It's just that now it's much more accessible to everyone, including the brand, and now the brand can be part of that chit-chat. So be in it. Don't be afraid. It does feel a bit weird because brands these days do need to be a bit more vulnerable. They do. People want to see more. They don't want to buy. They're no longer listening to the old style of traditional media, broadcast message, you just take it. We are this. You accept it. No. People now can ask back oh, you are that, but do you do this and why aren't you that? And so acknowledge and embrace the two-way nature of social media and do what's comfortable for you. Not everyone's going to be picking up, opening a YouTube channel and just creating, you know, content. Not everyone speaks directly to stories. Um, I don't, for example. I'm a little, that's just not my nature, but I've got friends who just pick up their phone and talk constantly to stories and they do it it's exhausting to watch them you you think it's you think it like we on opposite Mm. side of the camp Mm. because i am already fatigued from all these talking heads in their facebook yeah but a lot of people like it and they're connecting to the right people i'm glad that there are some people liking it and a lot of people like it a lot of people and a lot of younger people now that's what they listen to they listen to people who have youtube channels and who do their own content so there's certainly an audience for all of that but Yeah, so what I'm saying is, first of all, face the fear and realize it's an opportunity for you to communicate about your business in a more sort of in-depth way than ever before because that's what people want. So the next thing I would say, and I was thinking this on the way here, is the biggest opportunity a startup in particular has because people like storytelling, right? They want to connect to a brand in a more authentic way in the past. They want to know what makes you tick, what you stand for, who you are. It's more important these days. So the advantage that a startup has is you can actually tell the story of your business starting. That's your first narrative. So, for example, with a podcast like this, there's people are going to want to know, why did you start it? Who are you guys? You know, why are you doing this? Why have you set up a studio for you? Why, you know, why are you investing all this time? How did you come up with it? So that is actually a unique story that your competitors can't necessarily tell as well because it's happening live. Mm. So essentially in terms of, you know, ways to start with a bang, one thing you can do is a teaser campaign. So you can start collecting content from before launch and posting it. So a good local example of that was the Cheeky Squire that opened up in Frankston. They didn't do it too hardcore, but I did notice it at the time and they did it well. They launched before they opened, before the doors ever opened. There were great photos being taken and posted of the build. So all they did was a simple strategy of like a pot of beer or a bottle of beer 
in the foreground and the building works in the background and they would just post it from time to time saying, we're getting close. You know, that that's we, a good we, teaser campaign. We are getting close as well and it's getting a bit tingly to go on air with our, but writing a story pre commencement and all this sharing it pre-launch is one thing you can do that your competitors can't do we we kind of need to go start cracking quickly yeah well it's great you're getting photos taken today and to launch see i mentioned i took a photo last week the selfie i took and i mentioned it on my own media and people were saying already oh i want to hear that podcast so you'd be surprised how many people terence mentioned it a meeting and people also said what is it exactly because it builds a buzz so that's one strategy what i'll call a teaser build the buzz build the buzz or a teaser campaign Around non-existent business, around non-existent. No, it's not around non-existent business. It's around your business story. Oh, basically, what it's called gestation period when you just about to give birth yes. to something. Yes. Yeah. It's just my term. So, are we in a gestation? How's pregnancy going, Terence? You all right? I'm not a good pregnant person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just about, I will take you through this. I had a few of those experiences. And during this, you're building up you, you think about name. You say, it's like a baby. It is. Yeah, it's a good analogy, Nadia. Oh, great. I came up with it. And what is a baby we need to do? Well, think about a pregnant woman, what she would share on social media. The new, I'm pregnant. There's the I'm pregnant story. There's the it's a girl. You are sharing today, I'm pregnant. Terence. I'll let everyone know. There's a baby shower. You know, that's a pre-launch yeah. event, really, pre-baby. We should have baby shower. Where are we having baby shower? That's yeah. I'm going to have to leave that with you guys to discuss. Yeah. But oh th- my this is good to think about. It's a good analogy. I like it. So that's one strategy. When I think, again, of local businesses, another strategy which we're going to dive into next week for our third in this series is influencer marketing. So there was a new restaurant. I haven't still been to this. Two new businesses that I can absolutely tell you I learned through influencers. One is Rebel Donuts in Mornington. So Helen and Lisa, who are two Frankston women who have a blog called Mama Loves to Share, they're on Instagram, Facebook, I have seen them. Yeah, they're lovely. They're really nice. Well, I haven't met Lisa, actually, but Helen's lovely. Oh, we just can reach out and say hi. Well, you know, the thing is that they went down to Rebel, I think, without being paid. It wasn't a sponsorship deal. They just happened to sort of stumble upon it. And they ended up generating so much awareness for the brand. But Helen just did a simple video of like, oh, my God, check out this new store. And it went off. They got enormous traffic just from that post, similar with there's a Japanese restaurant in Beach Street that opened that I know about through them, again, because she told the story. She was like, oh, my God, I went to this restaurant. It's all-you-can-eat buffet. It's really good value. So it's in my head as it must go to that Japanese restaurant because Helen recommended it. What is the key person is who is recommended it. Yeah. Now, so there is they might not be the right air, fit. Air of authority for you to, to listen. Because well, I just it, respect. I just, she's in my radar. I listen to her opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it just be knowing your who is yeah, would be exactly. listening to you. Because if Nadia come out and start talking about donuts, I don't think I would be much of a Well, the difference is, you, d- you know, these girls in this case have followers. They have a good sized follower base. So they make an impact. So. That's something to think about and influencers could come in all shapes and forms. Influencers, of course, with you guys could be your guests. Now, not so much me because I'm not in that game, but if you've got guests with big following, they're an influencer. So if you've got a guest who's got thousands of LinkedIn followers, one post from them could have a really big impact, Mm. but you've got to be ready for that. So you've got to tell them, hey, I want you to say this and I want you to send people here, you know, 
it would be sort of a waste if they just threw it out into the air with nothing for people to connect to. Mm-hmm. So it would be good if that influencer, just say you had a guest with, you know, I'm just guessing but, you know, like Lance Burdett, he's a big LinkedIn player. So someone like him, he's an influencer. So therefore, if you had a website link to give him or just at the very least a Facebook page URL or an Instagram handle, at least people can then catch on to you through him. Do you know what I mean? But you've got to give that influencer something to to Basically, a credible address where people can come and find instead of just mention us. Look, mentions help, but to make the use of that, you'd mm-hmm. want, yeah. So back to you guys and back to sort of ways to start yes, with the bank. Yes. That's all right. I would be capturing content, at, and I have said this to both of you, I would be capturing content every single time you have a guest, whether they're an influencer or not. That could easily, on the one hand, just be a teaser campaign, just be a photo saying, today we spoke with Kate about launching social for startups. Today we spoke with Lance about blah. Today we spoke with James about blah. Like, So that's a nice, simple way to tease. So that your Instagram account, even though you haven't launched the podcast, could easily just be six photos from the six episodes you've recorded. Well, so listen up, kids, moms and dads. We just missed a great opportunity. <laughs> we okay. just had all those great speakers on our podcast and we have not done any of this. That's okay. So live and learn. And I think what to do now, we how to compensate for that. Always take a photo, have, yeah. But uh, we missed this one. So can I catch up on oh, some? Easy. Go and just email them and say, hey, can you send us a photo? Easy. No problem. Mm. especially the ones with a big following will have probably lovely professional photos you could easily put in your instagram and or facebook and or linkedin a photo of did you interview lance am i making that up yes yes, yes. no you know that he is real he lance. was sitting right this chair awesome lance perfect opportunity i bet you he'll have an awesome headshot you can use mm-hmm. pop him on we interviewed lance on this date it's coming out on this date you're gonna want to hear this one mm. tease it he talks about x y and z easy done it's nothing's ever lost nutty that's the beauty of digital it's very flexible wow it's okay. true there's so always a way start building up teasers yeah yep. just a couple of other things i wanted to cover so when i was talking about the advantages of being a startup or starting from scratch like i said it's the lay of the land you can be quite strategic you know choosing your positioning choosing your platforms mm-hmm. right but there are a few challenges as well it is harder to build an audience now probably than ever before. It's more competitive on Facebook. It's even more competitive on Instagram now. Gone are the days where everyone was just getting hundreds of likes for photos. It's hard yakka now. And the other challenge would be, and I've seen this myself both in advertising and as paperboat, it can be a big cost resource-wise or money-wise and a big burden to run social when you're not getting income, like depending on what you're doing. That's a pitfall as well. Sometimes you can think, oh, my God, I'm having to put in all this effort over here for a long-term play that Mm -hmm. can feel – I've had a few examples of clients, both big and small, who expect a lot from that early social. They're wanting social to carry the whole business success and that's going to set it up for failure. Social, I'd be looking at in terms of year one, year two, not month one, month two. Good point. Right, and that's important and that's a point that's missed. A lot of businesses still don't get that. Mm. And it's like starting a conversation. I mean, you know, you're not going to go and just talk with someone and all of a sudden they want to use your services. Correct. It's it's relationship building. That's the ultimate relationship building. And the other challenge might be, as you guys have just demonstrated, that when you're in the groups of a startup, 
Social may not be on your priority list. I'm sure you guys were rightly much more focused on building this studio, getting your content sorted out, your structure, getting your list sorted out. No wonder you didn't think to stop and take photos for social because it's not in the forefront of people's minds. But the challenge is to start getting it to the forefront. So we got carried away with content. No, it's normal. It's normal for a business to be focused on business. That's normal. Mm -hmm. So don't feel bad about that. That's absolutely common. It's just that from where I sit, content is everywhere and you should be aware of it all the time too. So do you want to hear some other ideas for like how to start with a bang? Yes, of course. So I would also say, so we've talked about influencer marketing and we've talked about a teaser campaign. So they're two pretty basic things potentially. Content capture ready for launch we've talked about. That's part of the sort of teaser thing. Another great way to start with a bang would be Facebook ads. And again, I think depending on what arena you're stepping into could be a really smart way to get to build an audience quickly. You have mentioned it cost effective because a lot of our startups, they are very price, yeah. price conscious. Yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about like $100 a month, not much money at all. It will make a difference. I'm talking about even boosting a post. Just say you started your content on Facebook pre-launch and you, for one, you know, you might do some posts that go, well, every time people like your post, jump on and invite them to like your page. Invite all your friends and family to like it. That does help. It gives you a nice little base. And then if any posts do well, which Facebook helpfully tells you, they have a little flame graphic and it says this post is performing 80% better than other posts. Yes, we have seen that before in, yeah. in the smart business editions. That's right. And the, the reason they do that is because those are the good posts to boost. Another question, your page has to be liked at least 100 times, then you're cooking on gas. They say, what is it? How many likes do you have to get into some completely different stratosphere? It depends on many factors, but yeah, I would agree that a page with less than 100 likes looks very empty. A thousand is a good number. If you can get over a thousand, it starts to look like a bit of an endorsement of, hey, this is known, this is established, but it depends very much on your market. If you're really niche, like dog pet treats for vegan dogs that doesn't make sense but you know what i mean you're not going to expect you're not going to expect a big vegan market dogs. i heard one underwater karate well there you that's go a niche, that's a definite niche cool, market. it's so niche that everybody wants to know about it that's and, right. but back to your like competitor landscape look at your competitors so if your competitors your top one's got 5,000. That gives you a sense of what, where you're going to sit. You know, I, I'm just that thinking. One of my daughters has uh, 3,300 something, something friends on Facebook. How can I make them like me? <laughs> I, are they your audience? Probably not. So you know, that's exactly what's the yeah. point. So what I see... So don't get numbers for nothing. And that, that's another pitfall to avoid. I'd prefer you to have 300 actually engaged real people who are relevant to your business then have 3,000 randos. Mm. Just no point. You said randos. I did say randos. randos. I thought you I love that. this. Yes, you, I love you it. word for the day. <laughs> yeah. So don't get lost in numbers. It's the desperados and randos as they come to. Forget them. Forget <laughs> the desperados and the randos. Well, you have to be desperado to get randos. Just, just, um, <laughs> just to go back to you said boost the post. Yes. Right. So I've heard that there are some negatives in boosting a post directly from, well, sorry, without going into business manager. Yes, agree. So agree, can we agree, just agree, 
just so we don't put information out there saying yeah, boost sure. the post, we get all these people boosting the post, <laughs> and then they say, <laughs> and then they go, well, that that, did, that yeah. worked against us. Correct. No, that's a good point. Thank you. I never boost posts in that way you're describing, which mm-hmm. is essentially Facebook makes it easy for you to just spend twenty bucks, fifty bucks, hundred bucks, and not really know what you're doing always boost a post from ads manager the reason is and without going too far down this rabbit hole Mm -hmm. there are some absolutely great ways you can do that quickly now so as in to create an effective well-targeted ad so i just want to touch on this there's a relatively newish feature on facebook ads where you can create an audience from people who've engaged with your facebook page in the last year who've engaged with your instagram account in the last year We already were able to engage with people who visited your website in the last 30 days, 60 days. But the combination of that is so effective. I use a pretty similar technique for my ads now. I use a Facebook engagement audience and Instagram engagement audience. I also use friends of people who like the page. Mm -hmm. I also chuck in a lookalike audience, which means Facebook will find people similar to your audience. Those four things alone, and maybe chuck in website if you've got traffic, will almost guarantee a nine or ten relevancy score. So, have you scored the recipe of this method? Sorry, we'll discuss it further. Yeah, we, we we can discuss it further. It looks like pinch of this, pinch of that, and this is ingredients to create an effective uh, boost. But I also would add then a few interests on top of all that. So for you guys, I wouldn't be doing that yet because you don't have the audience. So there's no point me adding people who like your Facebook and Instagram because it's not big enough yet. Down the track it will be. But for now, interests alone will also factor in. So you might look at people who like Gary Vaynerchuk or who like rich dad, poor dad, or who are interested in things that correspond with your content. Mm. So I guess to finish up that little thing, definitely never use the front always do ads properly because otherwise you're just wasting your money but what when it's set up properly like the ingredients i just described and i'll save that audience you can very quickly go 20 bucks boost that post and it just goes that whole lot further and it's always smart to boost a post that already does well so that's one thing here we are it just you would think it's already doing well don't worry about it well but you it's the stats don't lie so you know the stats will tell you if it's doing well yeah, I had a post, some of you might know Grandma's Puddings, Dean, she's she's a local as well. I help her with Facebook ads still. And she had a post the other day, went absolutely viral. Sometimes she shares recipes and they just go nuts because they're nostalgic. And I just messaged her and said, hey, we need to boost this. This is crazy. Like it's already gone so well. So we just added another 25 or 50 bucks to it and it's mm-hmm. the messages are still flooding in. It just extends the life of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's actually a really good, I guess I'll mention it, there's a, there's a really good resource, a great podcast out there, another podcast called Perpetual Traffic. Ralph Burns, Keith Krantz, he'll kill me if I forget his name, and Molly Pittman all on it. And, and those guys are, go really deep into Facebook marketing. So anyone who wants to go really deep into Facebook and you and I, are, social stuff. You and I should really go very we, deep well, into Well, we could certainly listen to it. And what we might do is see if we can, you know, I've met those guys and... Maybe if they're Hi, listening, guys, would you like to come? If they're listening, they'll come and uh, come and talk to us and uh, share some things with well, their audience they do, as well. Well, if they do, just to solidify our theme, if you do get an a really great guest like that, treat it like a separate campaign. Tease it out. Give people the link on your social. This is the podcast we have currently got. A yes, they're coming in a week. Ask people for questions. You know, what do you want to know from these guys? Take the photos. Post that before the podcast goes live. Oh my god, we met. 
Keith, Molly and whoever else you said, you know, so that's an opportunity. Sometimes a moment in your business can almost is worthy of you really thinking about that same thought process, if that makes sense, to treat it like an actual campaign that deserves its own launch because that could really kick goals for you guys. And then if that's the case that you posted about perpetual traffic and you got a good response, boost it, invite all the people who liked that to like your page. So those opportunities for your business at this early stage are really cool. Just to finish off that list of what other ways to start with a bang, a competition couldn't wouldn't go astray, an actual event, an offer. Now, it doesn't necessarily apply to you guys, but this is more if you're in the sort of a product business. You could start with, to celebrate our launch, we are offering 20% across our whole range if you sign up to our email list, for example. So that's another way to start with a bang. Or depending, again, on what you're doing and who you are and what your budgets are, have an actual launch party. Like, who doesn't want a party? A good thing about an actual launch is content. Actual launch plus professional photographer equals amazing content. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, you guys, for example, you might I've decide, well, of course. Oh, I just can't wait <laughs> to launch. <laughs> you could actually do a launch in six months' time. You could do a launch on your first anniversary. Sorry, a party, I mean. You might decide to, you know give it a go and build up this and build up that. And you might say in a year's time, you know, we're going to look back to celebrate our first year anniversary of launching our podcast. And then who do you invite? Guests. And who are they? Influencers. Do you know what I mean? So that's actually really smart. And then, but you'd also invite all the business people in the community who are relevant, who you want to know about your podcast. And do not forget that vital ingredient of a professional photographer. If you go to the effort of making an event, get a professional photographer. Do not miss that opportunity because professional photos immediately elevate you. Blurry photos on a phone by a guest just won't cut it in those situations. You you know, not saying that you're taking blurry photos. I just mean at a party I've often seen that. You know, you'll see people taking, it's blurry and it's... It's in the haze of party has been taken. It's not the same. You want someone there whose pure focus is to capture that event properly. I assume video as well. Absolutely. Video as well. Video all the more. And video itself is probably another way to start with a bang. A video Mm. ad would stand out. Video in general tends to be a little bit more cost, you know, higher cost and bigger effort. So anything that is higher cost and bigger effort will generally pay off. Yeah, so that's probably my list of ideas for how to start with a bang. But, yeah, you can see that the good news is, Nadia, it's never too late. It really isn't. And also (laughs) be creative. Have fun with it. But, you know, remember you guys in particular, you have influencers sitting in this seat week after week. Use Mm -hmm. them. Yes. You know, and tell them what to post. Don't go the extra mile to make it easy for them. So write to them, thank you so much. You might even make it part of your actual routine, a post or a pre thing. Like, hi, as part of it, we'd love you to shout out mm. that you're on it next week. Yeah. We've really covered all of the positives of using social, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Who shouldn't be using social? In business? Yeah. Who shouldn't be using social? Mm. I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you the answer. <laughs> for me... If the Victoria Police can use social, if the ATO can use social, I can't really think of anyone who shouldn't be on social. Probably criminals. Mick Ghetto and all those guys, they've got a great profile. I would say I think social is open to every human being. I don't know the answer to that. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people say B2B doesn't work on social. I don't yeah. agree. I think yeah. for every, you know, it's not as easy. Mm. Service businesses are generally not as easy. Products easy because you've got photos of product. And, you know, if you're in travel, beauty, fashion, socials are real easy, really easy. If you're not, it just means it might be a bit trickier. You might have to be more creative. But I really can't think of anyone who shouldn't be on social unless maybe you're a hiding your identity that might be the one answer if your business relies on you being anonymous oh no Mm -hmm. but see that's not true either because some of my favorite accounts are anonymous fashion critical is the most amazing account i just love it so much she's anonymous she's got hundreds of thousands of followers she just does savage assessments of red carpet fashion god i love it i live for that i live (laughs) for her posts and she's anonymous so therefore the answer is no one cannot be on social. That's my official answer. As long as you're dealing with people, humans, mm. who, who has extension of their own. Well, no, that's form. not true either because animals can be on social too. I follow a cat from a Northcote video store. I love him. He's a little ginger cat and he wears bow ties. But I doubt that he pressed little button with a paw. Obviously. I think you're following his master. And I think where Nadia is going <laughs> is that, that cats aren't his audience. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So but- people need to be your actual audience. I mean, I guess as a business, you need to have a product that people will buy or something that people will be interested in. Yeah, but I reckon there's an exception for just about every rule. So, you know, just again, to normalise it, it's just word of mouth gone digital. That's all it is. So if you want people to know about you. Exponential as well. You can't control it and you can't predict what will really. No, and the platforms will come and go. And I think we mentioned that last time, you know, in a year's time, I might be saying, oh, my God, it's all about Pinterest. It might be. I don't know. But the point is it's still communication. So, yeah, don't be scared and be creative. Have you thought about inventing your own platform? No, God, no. That sounds like a lot of hard work. I'm happy to be – I'm a communicator, so I'll use whatever platform's come into town but no that sounds horrific see i think start i have a maximum respect for people who do startups because it's hard work and it's not something i'm doing but yeah no no thank you yes thank you though thanks for (laughs) thanks for believing in me that i could (laughs) but no not right now yeah so that's pretty much what i wanted to cover Cool. Unless you have any more questions, but oh, we have plenty of questions. That's why you're going to be regular on our podcast because sure. social media mm-hmm. evolves. It yeah, moves so it fast, That's and true. what I like about you, you just keeping um, an eye on these old trends and changes, and you keep your market in- informed. And I would like our listeners to Good. benefit from it. That's all about unfair advantage. So you have to give our sure. listeners this advantage. I have to. I've been knowledge. told. Yeah, as we said, I think the last topic for this sort of series is going to be influencer marketing. I think it's a really good one to get your head around now. It's a huge advantage because it's not been widely used, but the benefits can be massive. Again, it was more extension of our prior talk. However, it introduces concepts which are out there, but people know what they have to do, but they don't know how to do what exact recipe for different things. And I think I'm less scared to go social now However, I will always feel vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there and you feel exposed. You feel people don't like. You can almost, self-esteem always can go down. So any little bit of hints how to treat the bad day on social? How to manage a bad day on social. 
have boundaries. I'm not suggesting everyone just sort of runs down the street naked, so to speak. I think that you do what's comfortable. I guess one way to answer this is focus it on the audience. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be about you guys. For example, your content approach as this podcast could be all about your guests. You could barely mention yourself. I mean, I would still have it there for context, but some will go down the extreme of it's all about you guys and your journey. Others will go, no, it's all about our guests. And others will be like, no, it's all about what our audience wants to learn. So it's up to you where you shine the spotlight. We are about our audience. We are around their needs and giving them this advantage and basically reaching out people and influences which they can't afford on individual basis. Good. So throw the spotlight there and that'll make you more comfortable. Yeah, it's it's all a choice. You can do whatever you like. You can have boundaries around it. But at the same time, you created the podcast. People are going to want to know that story. But perhaps, um, yeah, throw the spotlight onto your guests and your audience. Thank you. That's okay. Cool. All right. Well, that was pretty cool. Learning about how to launch our startups in social and just launch social in general, I think. Mm-hmm. So so thanks, Kate. So, no Kate Fennessy, how do people, the best way for someone to find you? I'm pretty active on stories on Instagram. So find me on Instagram, just search Paperboat Digital. Same with Facebook. They're probably the best ways to find me, but I'm out and about in the community as well. So network groups, I pop up sometimes here, there and everywhere. But, yeah, come and say hi. You are a social butterfly. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) cheers. We'll look forward to having you back for the next installment. No worries, yep. We'll talk about influencer marketing. Thanks a lot for coming to see us and sharing everything with us. Yep, no worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Unfair Advantage Project. For more curated resources, visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com.